All right, Jarbosai, good morning. Good morning. Begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Sivan, Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin. In this Chosam Hashem, continuing to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. May all of our children remain safe and complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and Hashem's Torah. To thank Naftali and Chavi Tilson from Eretz Yisrael for their dedication, their Talmud Torah dedication, as a thank you to Naftali's good friend Benjamin Wall for introducing him to the Daf. May Hashem bless us all to finish the Daf Yomi together and celebrate with a Siyum together in Eretz Yisrael. To thank Mark Harstad from New York for dedicating, being our Talmud Torah sponsor for this month in memory of his mother, Chana Bas Shragai. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Ali and the family in Nechama. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Shalom and Aviva Kovacs, in memory of Kobi Rosemore, Chaim, Yaakov, David, Zichron Lebracha, Ben Yosef, Sadok. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Ali and the family in Nechama. And also with that, let us begin. We have an absolutely incredible Daf ahead of us today. So I even had a Yitzhahara to, to text it, to, to WhatsApp it out, but I, I feel like there's a little bit of cynicism developing around my, uh, my, my popping up of the daf. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a break a little bit on the WhatsApp chat, and I'm going to, but, but, but uh, you'll see, I, I really, I should have done it for today because you're going to see what we have ahead of us specifically on Ahmed Bey's, which is absolutely dramatic. So I'll say with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Lamit Hay. Islam Day, and of course we dedicate, as was mentioned so beautifully in the in the Dubin dedication, we, ded- we really truly dedicate our learning in the Zuchus of the, our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, the current Matzav. We hope that, and may we know, that Amir Hashem HaKadosh Baruch will bring a positive resolution to it. It's always just a shayla of how long and when and how. But Amir Hashem, we hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu continues to go ahead and shower his protection upon our people, allow our soldiers to be successful in all of their endeavors, and Amir Hashem, we be to see the ultimate gula, Pira Amenu, Amen. Bosi, with that, let us begin. Today's Daf Lamed, hey, 35, we are picking up, we left off, Really, with the uh, I feel like we left off on such a high yesterday with the uh, with the parva chamber and the fascinating machlokis Rashi Tosis about who parva was the amagusha. I saw last night even a little bit more. There's a lot of fascinating discussion about this idea that he was a sorcerer and how could it be? So I saw the marshal also brings down that he was a valchuva. He used to be a sorcerer. He did good. So we said yesterday. So the gemara goes weiter. Perisu sudden shalbots. Remember again, the Mishnah said <coughs> that when he would immerse in the mikvah. They would go ahead and extend a linen sheet between the coin gadol and the nation to serve as a screen to give the coin gadol privacy. So the Gemara says, "Maishno shabbats." Plus, we had this before already by the already by the first immersion. So the Gemara says, "Okay, I understand the need for a privacy screen. That makes perfect sense. But why did it have to be made of linen?" To which the Gemara says, "Amnaf kahano kadeshiyakir shavodas hayom bebeg debots." So we'll see. Remember again, this was a reminder. This was a reminder, and the reminder ultimately was it was linen because again the avoda of the day, all of the avoda of Yom Kippur was performed with linen clothing. Beautiful. Veshachar hayalovish pilusin shoshmonasas. So remember again, the Mishnah after telling us that the kohen gadol does his avoda with big day boots with linen clothing, subsequently went on to explain actually the type of linen clothing. So the the Yimar first mentioned an opinion that said. 
that in the morning he would wear pilusin, pilusian linen that was worth twelve mana, twelve mana, and in the and in the afternoon in the bein arbayim, ultimately again he went ahead and he wore pilusian linen that was worth eight mana or whatever the gemara called the shmona meos zuz. So the gemara says as follows: v'tana v'tana minyana aslash minyana. Well, so here's what's interesting, right? So the mishnah tells me the amount of the amount of the value of the morning linen. The value of the afternoon linen, and then it said hakol shloshim mana. So the Gemara says, why do, why do I need that? First of all, I can add. I have the ability, at least again, very basic arithmetic. I went to yeshiva, but but at, but at the end of the day, I can add. I can add twelve and eighteen together, right? Why does the Gemara? Why does the Mishnah have to tell me that the total was thirty mana? Why is that necessary? To which the Gemara says, hakamashmalan debitzir mehani lo navid. Hi, so the Gemara says, it's to teach you the following. The total amount of money allocated for big day kahuna of Yom Kippur was 30 mana. You cannot spend less than that. You cannot spend less than that. What you do have the flexibility to decide on is what? Is what? How much to spend on each set of clothing. So that's what the Gemara now says. So how come I should Hi, ibatsir mehani. But if you want to spend more, so for example, you know, the Gemara said they went ahead and they, the Mishnah said that they spent 12 mana on pollution linen for the morning. You want to spend more, you want to spend less. You want to spend more on, you know, on this one, less on that. That, that doesn't matter to us all that much as long as the allocation is used. So you want to add on a little bit more over here, a little bit less over here, that's fine as long as the total is the entire 30 mana. So the Gemara says, interestingly enough, the Shachar Adifi Minalan. So we'll say, but here's what's interesting. In all the calculations, it's clear that the morning linen clothing, well, they spent more on it than the afternoon linen clothing. So what, what's the Pshat with that? So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, I've skipped the line. Dukhuli Amma, Mias the Shachar Adifi Minalan. But again, the Gemara says, it comes clear from the Mishnah, that Allah said the morning clothing was more valuable than the afternoon clothing. So how could this, so where do we know that from? So we'll say, to which the, look at the last Rashi. Rashi says over here, Rashi says over here, Bad, Bad, Arba Zimnik Siv Belavishas Big Day Shachris, Lememar Dahavi, Bad, Bad, Hamufchar Bebad. So we'll say it says, Bad, 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 four times by the morning clothing to teach you that the morning clothing must be more valuable than the linen clothing used for the afternoon part of the service. So again, what the Mishnah is teaching me is the total to be spent, 30 mana. How we want it now, but we'll say that, so that's number one, that you must spend 30 mana. Number two, number two, the morning big day bad must be more valuable than the afternoon big day bad. But what do you have flexibility with? How much to spend for each? So the only thing I've locked into is 30 mana and morning must be more expensive than afternoon. But other than that, I have flexibility as to how I go ahead and use the money. Incredible. I'm a base. So we'll say, it's actually very interesting. So the Gemara is quoting a Pasuk from Yechezkel. And the Pasuk from Yechezkel says, they will go ahead and wear other clothing. And they will not go ahead and literally consecrate or sanctify the people wearing their clothing. So we'll say, if you take a look at Rashi for just a moment. So it's Rashi, Divrei Hamaschel Mesvei. 
But if you go ahead and you just look in the beginning of the short lines of that Rashi. So Rashi says, This is what we assume the Pasuk is saying. Shavuot said, the Gemara's darshan is passed from Yecheskel in a fascinating way. The Gemara's darshan is that when the, remember again, also we still got the, one of the interesting things about the afternoon Ketorah service, and we'll see this, because remember, right now what we're kind of doing is we're getting a little bit of the timeline and the panoramic view of the Avodah. We will then zero in on other aspects of the Avodah and focus on that. So one of the interesting things that's going to come up is that by the Ketorah, by the Ketorah, remember the Kohen Gadol goes in, he brings a ladle of, of, of incense, a fire pan filled with coals. Where do the coals come from? Marocha Kitana. Good, right? The small pyre. Remember Zabaye? So he comes in. And remember, then we're going to see he does this incredible feat where he's able to go ahead and empty the Ketores into his hands while still holding the fire pan, right? Without going ahead and losing any... Well, we'll see all of this. In any event, from the Pasuk the Gemara seems to indicate that when... Then he would leave. He would leave. And he would leave the fire pan inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He would come out. Later on, he would go back in to retrieve the fire pan. The Pasuk from Micheskel makes it sound like he would change his clothing when he would go back into the Kodesh HaKadoshim a second time. So reading that Rashi, in the short lines of that first Rashi, it's the first short lines on the page. That's what he thought I meant to say. When the Kohen Gadol goes back into the Kodesh HaKadoshim in the afternoon... He will wear different linen clothing, not the original ones. Interestingly enough, what, what this Pasuk is actually referring to, what Yechezkel is talking about, is when the Kohen Gadol finishes his service, ultimately what? He changes out of his Big Day Kuna and he puts on Big Day Chal. So we're going to see this. To me, to me, I think this is actually one of the most, I find it one of the most dramatic parts of the Avoda, which is interesting because it's not the Avoda. We read this in Musaf on Yom Kippur when they describe how when the Kohen Gadol was finished with the Avoda, he would change into his big dechal, his regular clothing, and he would come out, and the people would greet him. They would greet him. And again, the, the, we're going to see Yom Tov Haya Osa, the, the joy, the, just the overwhelming joy that Klal Yisrael experienced when the Kohen Gadol came out. He was no longer dressed in his big dechal, he was dressed in his big dechal, his regular clothing, but that wave of like that euphoric wave of joy that swept over them, knowing that they were forgiven, knowing that the Queen Gadol was their shaliach. So we'll see. So that's actually what Yecheskel is technically describing over here. The love should be Gadim Achim Katras Am Bebigdehem is actually referring ultimately to when they would come out. But the Pasuk, the Gemara understands over here, Yecheskel is trying to make reference to another practice which is not explicitly written in the Torah, but is a halacha Moshe misinai, namely again, that when the Kohen Gadol would go back in to retrieve the fire pan, he would once again change his clothing. So the Gemara says, my love achirim chashuvin mehem. So does this not mean that ultimately what? The Kohen Gadol puts, puts on even more chashuv big day bad. 
to retrieve the fryer pan. Take a look at Rashi. My love achirim chashuv mehen di ilav lit leilinhu lamali lemechtav achirim. The mashal shli yidom elarishonim. So both say so again. It appears that the coin gadol is not only putting on different big day bad to go ahead and retrieve the fryer pan, but what? Even better, more expensive big day bad. Well, this, this contradicts what we just said before. Because what did we just say? We said that the most expensive clothing are worn when? When? In the morning. Now it sounds like you're telling me actually that he puts on more expensive clothing in the afternoon. To which the Gemara says, Lo, achirim pechusimehen. No, achirim just means different. It doesn't have to mean more valuable. That Yechesko is just being meramis in this halacha l'moshe misinai. That enochinam, when the coin gadol goes in to retrieve the, the fire pan, he puts on different big day bad. Different doesn't mean more expensive. Different just means different. So the Gemara says, Tani Rav Huna Bar Yehuda Bar Amelie Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. So I'll say this is incredible. Achar, achar, shekal sabalas tibor. So we'll say, after the Kohen Gadol finishes Avodas Tzibor, communal service, Kohen Sha'asta Le'imo Kisones, Lovsha, Va'ovid Ba'avodas Yachid, Obilvachim Serena Le'tzibor. So we'll say, we've made reference to this already a number of times, that Halacha Lamaisa, if once the Kohen Gadol has finished Avodas Tzibor, then I will say, no, this is very interesting. So I'll, let's translate it, then we'll explain it. So the way it reads is, once the Kohen has done a communal service, if the Kohen Gadol's mother made him beautiful big day kuhuna, he has the ability to wear that big day kuhuna for what purpose? Avodas yachid, individual service. Individual service, however, that clothing must be given over to the tzibar, must be donated back to the communal fund. Now, we'll say, now what's interesting about this is, what are you talking about? What, what's Avodas Tzibor versus Avodas Yachid? First of all, we're Yom Kippur. There is no Avodas Yachid. There's no private service in Yom Kippur. So Rashi says something very interesting over here. He says, Avodas Yachid, he refers to Hotzaz Kaf Umachta. So Rashi says, Avodas Yachid, even refer to the removal of the fire pan and the ladle from the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Now, how do you call that private service or individual service? Rashi says over here, Ela lefishimuteles alav lefanos hasamakom lefichach korelo avodas yachid. So we'll say interestingly enough. I'm sorry. So it says shein atzichel tzibor. Rashi says we'll say essentially it's like this. What what the Gemara now is calling avodas tzibor is avoda which is done for the community and affects kapara, affects atonement. However, the Marsha points this out. However. If you have avoda, even though it's communal services, we'll say everything done on Yom Kippur is for the purpose of the community. There's no individual service. There's no carbon yachid offered up on Yom Kippur. It's all avoda sibur, but not everything affects kapara. So for example, for example, by the ketores, the act of bringing the ketores in and going ahead and putting the ketores on the coals and allowing the, the smoke to, to, to ascend upward, that's how you affect kapara. The removal of the fire pan and the ladle doesn't affect kapara. They both say, what's the proof to that? What's the proof to that? Let's say you forgot. I mean, again, chas v'shalom. But let's say, the right? It's, it's Tuesday. You guys, oh, I knew I forgot something. And I forgot to go ahead and get the fire. I'm sorry? He came out alive. Yeah, yeah. He came out alive? No, after the, after the atonement. No, no, no. But, but I'm, I'm saying, yeah, he came out. But I'm saying, he forgot to go back in. He forgot to go back in to retrieve. He, for, he forgot. He forgot. So what do we say? So the, the avod is still effective. 
the avod is still effective. So the point that the Gemara is making over here, I just want to point out the terms that are being used over here is when the Gemara says, so let's, let's go back and read that statement. So the Gemara says, after the Kohen Gadol has finished doing the aspects of communal service, which affect kapara, and now he needs to do other parts of the communal service that are important, but don't affect kapara. If his mother made him beautiful big day kahuna, he has the right to use, to wear that big day kahuna for the non kaparadic parts of the service, assuming that he donated that clothing to the community. In other words, it's very nice that his mother or whoever, whoever made him the clothing, made him the clothing, it must be donated to the community and then can be worn. But again, could only be worn for parts of communal avoda that don't affect kapara. It's an, we'll say, it's an incredible use. So what's, what's the musr? We'll say, what's the musr? You see, you think to yourself, well, if his mother made it for him, and they're donating it ultimately again to the, to the Beis HaMikdash, then it's communal. If it's communal, it's for anything. See, I will say, if to affect kapara for Kalab Yisrael, it has to be 1,000% about the tzibor. That's if, if, a per, if, if a leader wants to be effective for the klal, then it has to be a thousand percent. I'll say, that's the most difficult part of leadership, right? Any person, and this is true, any, any leadership position you possess, the most difficult thing that a person has to ask themselves is, am I really doing this lishma? Am I really doing this for the right, person, for the right purpose? I'll say, the truth is, I think that when a leader asks himself that question, I think the truth is nine out of 10 times, the answer is no. No, no, there's covet involved. There could be money involved. Not usually a lot of money involved, but right, there's, right, there, there's, there's, there's covet involved. There's a lot of things involved. And it's hard to be honest with oneself if I'm really doing things in life for the right purpose, especially when you get into the, kind of when you get into the rhythm of doing things in general in life, when you do things for a long time, you take a step back and you ask, am I really doing this for the right purpose? So we'll say it's incredible. So the Kohen Gadol, when he does the Avodah, it has to be a thousand percent about the Kehila, a thousand percent about the Am. See, he can't wear the clothing that his mother made. Ah, you donated it back to the Beis HaMikdash. It's true. But when you wear it, what are you going to feel? What are you going to feel? Ah, my mother. My mother. Right? No one loves me like my mother. Right? Say so, so, so again, just, it, it's an incredible thing. So I just want to point out, so for the parts of the service that affect Kapara, you cannot wear your own clothing, even if it's been donated back to the Beis HaMikdash. Because if you want to affect Kapara on the part of the Klau, it must be 1,000% about the Klau and not at all about you as an individual. Such a profound use of. But for the non-Kapara parts, you could use, the Kohen Gadol could use the clothing that his mother made. But again, it must be donated back to the Beis HaMikdash. So it says the Gimara, says the Gimara, Pshita. So I understand what's, what's the, what's the Chiddush over here. So I'll tell you, Gimara, Tema. You might have thought, I might have thought that really we should not let the Kohen Gadol wear any clothing that's fashioned by family members or, or really by anyone. In other words, remember, I will say, where was clothing made? Little Chazal, where was clothing made? Where was clothing made in the Beis HaMikdash? Oh, come on. Come on. In the chamber of Pinchas HaMalbish, which was right inside Shar Nikanor. Remember again, you're walking. So you have to know this. You don't want to be that guy. Mashiach is going to come. Mashiach is going to come, right? And the Beis Hamikdash is here, 
and you're going to be at the information desk. Excuse me, excuse me, where should I go now? Right, where, where do I go? Right, you're going to be there with your camera around your neck. You're going to be like a neb walking around the base of Mikdash, like a tourist. Don't, you're not a, don't be a tourist. It's your base of Mikdash. And then you're going to say, oh, you know, it's silver. He really didn't do a good job. And I, I'm going to say, I gave you pictures. I gave you pictures. Let's say, so remember again, if you take a look at your base Hamikdash map, fine, let's do the base Hamikdash map. So we'll say, so remember again, we have our base Hamikdash map. So again, you're walking into the base Hamikdash. You're walking in through Ches. Through Ches, you're walking in on the eastern side. And remember again, you get to Chav Gimel, you go up the steps, you walk into Chav Gimel, which is the Shar Nikanor, and in Chav Hey, we'll say right over here, in Chav Hey, this is where they have the Lishkas Pinchas Hamalbish. Right? This Pinchas, remember again, was the one who was the clothier, right, of the Kohanim. This is where everything happened. The truth is, it happened in other places also, but this is where the Kohanim got dressed. I so will say right inside, right inside of Sharni Kanar. So the Gemara says, what's the, so what's the Chiddush? What's the Chiddush? So the Gemara says over here, you might have thought that maybe when the, when the, when the clothing is coming from the Kohen Gadol's family, maybe they don't really give it over with a complete heart to the Vesamikdash. That when people donate things, they donate things with a complete heart. So I will say, so I just want to point out, so again, this is very important. So the Vesamikdash has a budget for Kohanic clothing. But again, if the Kohen Gadol's were going to see, we're going to see some incredible stories. There were some very, very, very wealthy Kohanim Gedolim, and they wanted to have nicer clothing. No problem. You could, you, could, you could donate whatever you want to the Beis HaMikdash. But for any avoda which, which affected Kapara, you only use clothing that came from the Beis HaMikdash. For other avodos, communal avodos that didn't affect Kapara, as long as the clothing was adequately donated to the Beis HaMikdash, you could use it. But again, only for non-Kapara did communal service. It's so incredible, I will say. For Kapara, for Am Yisrael, it must be all about the cloud. So the Gemara goes out to say, so let's, uh, so let's tell some stories about this. So the Gemara says, Amr Allah Arabi Shmuel ben Pabi. So we'll say, this is incredible. So they told us, Rabbi Shmuel ben Pabi, Sha'asta lo imo, one of the Quran, we'll say, these are, these are, these, we're going to speak about these Quran and Gedolim. Yishmuel ben Pabi, Sha'asta lo imo kisones shamayamana, his mother made him a kisones worth a hundred mana, we'll say, which is an exorbitant amount of money. Belovsha va'ovid ba'avodas yachid. And he went ahead and on Yom Kippur he wore it, it was linen clothing, it was linen clothing. And they, they went ahead and he wore it on Yom Kippur. Umasra, let's see, but he only, again, he only wore it for the parts of the avoda that did not affect kapara. Umasra, let's see, And ultimately, again, they donated to Yom Now the order is a little bit off over here. Remember, first, obviously, what has to happen? What has to happen? You have to donate to the Tzibor. Right? So the first order of business is you donate to the Tzibor. And then after they donate to the Tzibor, ultimately, again, he wore it for the non-Kapara parts of communal service of Yom Kippur. We'll say it's actually interesting, by the way. You seem to only see this by the linen clothing. This did not really, it doesn't appear that it happened as much by the big day Zahav. Right, because also remember again already by the big days of which was the normal clothing of the coin gadol, they already used the they always used the finest, the finest gold and the finest materials. Apparently, it was in the world of linen, which I will say is so interesting because the whole point of the big day kahuna of Yom Kippur was for what purpose? Right, a certain level of pashtus, a certain level of simplicity. Right, we go into our kodesh baruch not with the gold, not with all the. But so it, it's interesting. It's interesting how sometimes. We have an ability to complicate 
simple things. Again, I'm not, not, not casting aspersions on what the Quran Gidolim did, but it is fascinating to see how that which was supposed to be simple sometimes becomes incredibly complicated as well. All right, so the Gemara goes like, I'm going to Ben Kharsum, both listen to say, Rabbi Lazar Ben Kharsum, Sha'astalo Imo Kisones, Mishte Rivo. Both say, listen to this. His mother, his mother made him linen clothing that was worth 20,000 mana. 20,000 mana. Both say, now, by the way, I want to make it, I want to make it even more amazing. Both say, how often do you use the big day, the big day bad of Yom Kippur? How often? Once. And how many years successfully can you use them? None. We'll say, remember, the big day bud they use in one year, they do not reuse. You do not reuse. Remember, there's a whole discussion what you do with it. Because can you can it become the begadim of regular kohanim? More often than not, you know what they used it for? Wicks. It's incredible. They used it for wicks, right? They used it for the lamps in the base. Not the menorah. Not the menorah. But the lamps that would burn in the Ezra's notion. That would burn in the, in the women's courtyard. The primary courtyard when you walked in. So, we'll say, so it's, really, it's really incredible. But again, this is Hidra Mitzvah. This is Hidra Mitzvah. These were exceptionally wealthy families. And this is how they decided to use their money. For those who listen to this, but this is great. So Elizabeth and Kharsum comes into Yom Kippur with this 20,000 mana big day bad. The other Kohanim did not let him wear it. Why? Effectively, it was sheer. It was sheer. In other words, the linen was so fine that it was a shtickle sheer. Like, you can't do the avod in that. Right? So, so, so it's literally like it was see-through. It was see-through. It was so fine. They would not let him do the avod in it. So the Gemara says, What? Umi is that possible that the big day bad of Yom Kippur could become sheer? Both say the big day bad was, was made out of was made out of six threads, right? Six threads doubled over. So how could it be sheer? yes it can. See, I will say you could have wine in a very thick glass. The glass can be very thick, but the, but it's still translucent, right? You can still see through it. So ultimately, again, the Gemara says it's true. It was braided, right? It was made of many, of many threads. But Lamaisa, the threads themselves were so fine that it was kivyachol, it was sheer. Incredible. So they wouldn't let him wear it. Bottom line, they couldn't let him wear it. Turn around, Ani Vasha, we'll say, so here we go. So we'll say, so now just to understand the, tr- the, the progression. Right? So, we'll say, so we started with a discussion about the fact that on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol is Big Day Bad. Right? Let's follow the progression. Budget for Big Day Bad? Budget? 30 mana. Right? How do you divide it up? How do you divide it up? Any way you want, as long as what? You spend more in the morning than in the afternoon. Right? That's all we have. We'll say, and by the way, if the Kohen Gadol wants to go ahead and spend more of his own money, absolutely he has the right to do so. Then the Gemara gives us stories, stories of how Kohanim Gidolim went ahead and spent more money. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. Now that we're getting into a discussion about money, the Gemara transitions, I will say, to perhaps one of the most incredible Gemaras in all of Shas. Incredible. We'll say, so this might be a time, if you have a friend who's running late, I could stall, I'll juggle or tell a joke for a few moments. We'll say, but again, if you have someone who's running late, or maybe they're playing football, which I don't think starts actually until what time? What time does football start? Or softball? Softball, what time does it start? They canceled it for this year. Right, you know, or nobody wants to say. Whatever it is, I know a, a lot, it's incredible. People, a lot of people play organized sports. I happen to know they're some of the most unathletic people in the world. I don't know why any team in a million years would take them, but apparently they play softball on Sunday morning or football. Good. Says the Gimar, turn around, 
Also, listen to this Gemara. Here we go. Here's the progression. Here's the progression. I'm just saying, if somebody gives you that excuse, I would like to see a jersey, right, with their name on it. So it says, Here we go. Listen to this Gemara. This is not a joke, by the way, right? This is a, right? So I'll say, so again, this, after 120, a poor person comes before HaKadosh Baruch for judgment. A rich person comes before HaKadosh Baruch for judgment. And a Russia. The Abbas said, just to understand how the Gemara is using the term Russia over here. Russia means someone who is simply unable to combat his Yetzirah. That's the Russia that the Gemara is talking about. Which Abbas say, if we're honest, refers a lot of times to me, right? It refers a lot of times to us. I'm a person who has a Yetzirah. And a lot of times I don't effectively combat my Yetzirah. So a person, after 120, all kinds of people come before HaKadosh Baruch Hu for din. So we'll say, listen to this. La'ani. You'll say, get, get ready for this, Gemara. La'ani omrim lo. Mipnei malo asakta b'Torah. So we say to the Ani, after 120, they ask the Ani, they ask the pauper, pauper, why didn't you learn? And I will say, by the way, I want to point out, if you notice over here, the Lashon is asakta. Asakta means what? Asakta means what? Involve, Involve yourself. I will say, remember again, no one is ever held accountable for not learning an entire day to the exclusion of everything else. Why not? Why not? Gotta pay my bills. Gotta pay my bills, right? Not everybody has a wealthy father-in-law. Right, so let's say, so again, I have to go ahead and pay my bills. So at the end of the day, that's, I'm not held accountable for not spending my entire day learning. Right, the shayla is, why weren't you osik? And I will say, and asakta, remember again, we know this from the Gemara of Sechah Shabbos. Asakta means kavata itin matora. Why did you not make specific siddharim? Why did you not carve out time the same time, day in and day out, and stick to that time? It could be five minutes, it could be five hours, whatever your lifestyle allows for. But why did you not stick to the Torah? Why did you not make it to Kavias? Why did you not establish it as set practice in your life? So listen to this, and what the Ani is going to say, Omer, Ani Ayisi, Utar Bamezonasi. Ani says, what do you want from me? I'm a pauper. I'm a pauper. My whole life was about just eking out an existence. I was Tarba Mazonos. So let's listen to this. So they say to him, Amru Allah, Al Hilla Zakin, Shevachol Yom Vayom Haya Ose Umistake Bitrafik. Bose Hilla. Did I skip? I'm sorry. Sorry. Omrim Lo. So excited just to get to the end. Omrim Lo. Klum Ani Ayisi Yosem Hilla. So they say, so the based in Shamala says to him, Tell me, are you any poorer than Hilla? So we'll say, what do they say about Hillel? Instead of Hillel, the elder. Every day Hillel would go out and he would earn a traffic, which was a small amount of money. He would earn a traffic. Half he would go ahead and give to the Shomer Beis HaMedrash, to the guard in charge of the Beis HaMedrash. And half he would use to sustain his family. I will say, just to amplify the story more, Hillel came from a very prominent and wealthy Babylonian family. Very wealthy Babylonian family. When Hillel told his father that he wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael to learn, his father said, fine, if you want to, you're, you could do it, but you're out. You're out. His family cut him off. Later on, when he becomes the great Hillel, which is in the aftermath of this story, as we'll see, ultimately, again, his brother Shevna comes from Babel and says, I want to make a deal with you. Right? The deal is, we'll do a Yisachar Zvulun. You learn, and I'll work. To which Hillel says, that ship has sailed. That ship has sailed. 
Where were you? Where were you when I needed you? I say, I want to just point out, it's actually quite tragic. The Gemara is filled with stories of great men who came from families of prominence who did not support their dreams. And yet the greatness of these great men is they went on and they did it on their own. They did it on the Sirbos. Say, the Kha Godel is in life. You can't wait for other people to believe in you in order to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. Because more often than not, the people you need most often will not believe in you. For whatever the reason, for whatever the reason, for good reason, right? It's not that Hillel's father didn't love him. He said, Hillel's father said, what are you doing? We've got a business. We've got a life over here. The, pe- the people, it's, it's great irony of life. The people you need most in life to believe in you often will be the first people not to believe in you. For whatever the reason that works like that. But if you believe in something enough in life, you just have to go out and you have to make it happen on your own. So Hillel comes from a very wealthy family. Now what is he doing? He's toiling as a laborer each and every day just to go and make some money. Half of it he gives to the, to the guard of the base Medrash. Half of it he uses to sustain his family. The Mashabas, I points out, why, why was there an entry fee by the base Medrash? So the Mashal gives two answers. He says either number one, the Bate Medrash were often in the field and they needed security. They needed security. Jose, there was a security charge, a security surcharge. It's not like it's, it's amazing, right? The world is very circular. There was a security surcharge. And the security surcharge, wait, we have to pay for security at the base now. just out in the field. It's dangerous in the field. So that was it. You had to, you had to pay your entry fee. Other possibility is the Masha points, go, referencing back to the Gemara Masechus Brachas, that under the leadership of Rabbi Gamliel, they had this concept that not anyone was allowed into the base Medrash. It had to be tocho kibaru. You had to be a genuine person, how, however they gauge that, in order to get in. So the assumption is only people who really valued being in the base medrash would pay the money to get in. So it was kind of like, a, it, was, it was a way of weeding out those who were sincere versus those who were insincere. Either way, Hillel spent half of his money paying for entry into the base medrash, half of his money ultimately to support his family. One day he didn't, he didn't earn enough money. Whatever happened, didn't earn enough money. So now here's what's interesting. So this is incredible. He didn't earn enough money. So what did he do with the money he earned? What did he do with it? He supported his family. So it's very clear in life. Just to be clear, you have to have priorities. See, I often think like if the, if the, like if Arts goes writing the biography today, they would say that, oh, he, so he, he used the money to go ahead and go into the base medrash. And he relied on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to take care of his family. No, 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 no. He took care of his family. That, that's what he did because a person has an achrayis to see to the needs of their family. So he went ahead and he, so he took care of his family, but he had no money left to get into the base medrash. So what happens? So the shomer, right, the guard did not permit entry. So which also tells you when is this story happening? When is this story happening? Hillel was a young man. This is when he first came to Eretz Yisrael. He wasn't no one. He wasn't no one. I was like, can you imagine? Can you imagine Hillel shows up at the base medrash and he doesn't have the money to go? Sorry, not today. Not today, not today. This, this is, but again, he's a no one. He's a no one. No one knows who he is right now. He's just another pauper in Eretz Yisrael. So what happens? Well, say, so this is the famous Maisa. So we'll say, what does he do? What does he do? He goes up to the skylight. In order to, he can't get in, so he'll go up. When you can't go in, you go up. He goes up and he sits by the skylight in order to be able to hear Divrei Elohim Chaim. The words of the Bible say, now you have to understand something. You ask yourself, I don't, we'll say, let me ask you a story. Let me ask you this question. If you're reading this story, Hillel doesn't have money to go ahead and get in. So what do you do? What, what would you, Hillel said, what should I do? What would you advise him? 
go home, right? First of all, there are other Bate Medrash, right? You can learn it home also, right? You, right who, hasn't, who hasn't heard that line, right? You can learn it home also, right? right? You could go ahead, right? You don't, you don't have to go out to Shul, you don't have to go out to the Bates Medrash, right? So, what, what do you mean going up on the skylight? So, I will say, the answer is contained in these words. You see, for Hillel, being in the base of Medrash, and we're going to see what the Gedola Hadar, was not just about learning. Because, right, learning you could do anywhere. But where are you going to hear the Divrei Elohim Chaim? See, I both say Hillel understood that at the end of the day, the words of Torah from Shemaya and Aftalion, they were the ones learning in the base of Medrash, they were the Gedola Hadar. Their words to Hillel were life itself. Were life itself. Right? If you needed oxygen, and the oxygen was being blocked by a guard at the door, and the guard at the door would say, sorry, you can't get in here to get the oxygen, you wouldn't say, okay, and then turn back around. What you would do is, you'd go around the building, on top of the building, any way you could get in, you would try to get in. For Hillel, for Hillel those words of Torah and the base Medrash, they were oxygen. They, they, were, they were life itself. They were divrei elokim. I will say, what an incredible way to look at Torah. How do we see Torah? Is Torah something nice? It's something beautiful? Of course, it's great. It's magnificent. What Hillel teaches us is that no, the way to look at Torah is Torah is divrei elokim chayim. Yuma daf lamit. Hey, this is life. This is life. And if I don't have it, I'm oxygen deprived. I'm oxygen deprived. Can you survive being oxygen deprived? You could survive. You could survive. But, but ultimately, again, you're hamstrung. Ultimately, you're handicapped. You can't live life to the fullest. If you're oxygen deprived, it's divrei elokim chayim. So we'll say, what happened? Amru. So we'll say, that day was Erev Shabbos. And it was the winter. So it was a short Shabbos. The Masha points out over here also that it was custom. Shemayin Avtalion will learn through the night on Shabbos night. They will learn through the night. So, it's, so Hillel goes up Shabbos afternoon. Right, it's a short Shabbos. They're learning through the night. And what happens? So we'll say, what happens if it began to snow? So let's listen to this. In the morning, in the morning when it should have been daybreak, Shmaya says to Avtalion, my brother, every day there's light that comes in through the skylight. And yet today it's so dark. I say, love Dafka, the sun doesn't come out every day, but there's always just some natural light from the horizon. And yet today it's so dark. Is it an exceptionally cloudy day that no light is getting through? So I'll say, what happens? They lifted their eyes. And they saw the shape of a person by the skylight. So I'll say, so what happens? They went up and they found three amas of snow. Then I will say, now were there actually three amas of snow? That's a lot of snow, right? That, that, that is a lot of snow. It means is they found a lot of snow. There's a lot of snow underneath. And Hillel, Hillel is pretty much frozen to death. So parkuhu, verchitsu, visichu. So they got him off. They got him off the roof. They washed him in warm water. They put warm oil on him. They sat him by. They sat him by the fire. Amru, and they said, And they said, oh, such a person like this 
is fit to be Mechalo Shabbos. Zavos said, the Marashah says, now what does that mean? First of all, we're Mechalo Shabbos for any Jew, right? And Zavos said, if somebody's dying, we don't ask, tell me, tell me to be it. Sa'atika Rasha, right? How, where are you holding? Where are you holding? Before we touch Mechalo Shabbos. But what the idea is, what they're saying is, for this type of person, and again, they're not making a halachic statement, they're making more a hashkafic statement, that if we have to be Mechalo Shabbos for a Pikuach Nefesh, what a schus it is to do for such a tzaddik like this. So, we'll say, so therefore, if after 120, a person planned on, pay, on playing the poverty card and saying, Yibosham, I would have learned Torah, but, but, but I was, I was asuk with my poverty. Life was in one ongoing financial struggle. Hillel comes forward and Hillel says that even in the midst of dire poverty, dire poverty, ultimately, again, one could find the time to learn Torah. I will say it might be very little Torah. It might be only a couple of minutes. But a person has the ability to make Torah a fixed part of their day. I will say, Vaiter, Ashir, what happens if after 120 a person comes up and they are very wealthy? And they say to the Ashir, they say to the wealthy person, Wealthy man, why did you not learn Torah? So in Omer Asher Hayisi, if he says I was very wealthy, and he says, listen, you gave me wealth, and I was busy my whole life managing wealth, managing wealth. So I'll say, and now again, by the way, the Pashas, it's also possible that what? What did he do with the wealth? What did he do? He gave a lot of tzedakah. Right again, I will say, we're not talking about a person who led a hedonistic lifestyle and it all became about the wealth. He's just a guy who comes along, comes up after 120. Why didn't you learn? He says, listen, Baruch Hashem, can I know how I was gebenched. I had so much money. Do you know what it takes to run a financial empire? Like the one you gave me. And again, he can say, I was a big belt stucker. I supported this. I supported that. All of these things. But they say that they knew, but why didn't you learn Torah? Said, I was too busy. Doing good things. Too busy. So listen to this. Say, they say, Tell me, were you any more wealthy than Rabbi Lazar? They that his father left him a thousand cities, ownership title to a thousand cities, a thousand ships. Spent his days. No tell note shall come earlier. How would Rabbi Zabin spend his days? He delegated the running of his financial empire to other people. And how would he spend his days? He would take a sack of flour and he would go from city to city, Medina to Medina, Lilmo Torah, to go on the Torah. We'll say, so the Marashah comments on this. The Marashah says, Why did he take a sack of flour with him? So again, so, so the Marashah points out, he says, Adash Amru im ein Kemach ein Torah. Because also he was trying to make a, he was trying to make a point, right? That in order to go ahead and learn Torah, you have to have some form of Parnasa. Yeah, you have to be able to be somewhat of a self-sufficient individual. It might be a very basic level of self-sufficiency, right? Maybe all you have is a, is a, is a little thing of flour, but Lamais again, some level of self-sufficiency. So you go from here to here, boss, listen to this. This is a great story. Pamachos, Matzau Avadava Asuba Angaria. One time, Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsum was in one of the cities that he owned. He owned the city. And what happens? His servants came and pressed him into service. I was supposed to say the way it worked was if you live, it's actually interesting because I don't know that we have this concept of privately owned cities. But apparently, if you lived in a city owned by someone, so you had a certain you had certain obligations, certain work you had to do on behalf of the city. So please listen to the story. Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsom was one time in one of the cities he owned. He owned, 
and one of his servants comes along and says, hey, you, you're here, you know, you have to help with the repair of the walls, whatever it is. So they wanted to press him into service. That's what happens. You're a resident of the city. You help out. So the Gemara says, I'm going to land. So says to the servants, Bavakashem, says to the servants, he says, listen guys, leave me alone. I just want to learn. So I'll say, so what do the servants do? They say, we swear by the life of Belazah ben Kharsum, the owner of this city, that we are not going to exempt you from work. So I'll say, what do you see from here? Obviously, what does this tell us? These servants never met Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsum. They never met the man that they worked for, Vaharaya. They are right about to press their employer into service of the city. Now, obviously, this is an extreme example. Both say, just like Hillel is an extreme example of poverty. But the point that the Gemara is making is, after 120, HaKadosh Baruch was going to go ahead and ask me, why did I not set aside set distinct times for Torah? And if I'm going to claim poverty, HaKadosh Baruch is going to say, were you poorer than Hillel? Were you poorer than Hillel? Bajra's answer to that is no. So if you weren't poorer than Hillel, and Hillel made it happen, you got to make it happen also. I, okay, I was too rich. Too many financial products, I'm too rich. Were you rich in Abelazim and Kharsu? I will say again, these are extreme examples. Well, if you weren't wealthy in Abelazim and Kharsu, he made it happen. You could have made it happen as well. I will say now we come to the last one. This will conclude. Russia. I will say what happens if a person says, I was a Russia. And I will say, now again, remember, what does Russia mean? Russia, now Russia is a very strong term. In this context, what it means is, I am a person with the Yitzhahara, and often I just can't combat my Yitzhahara. That, 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 that's a statement of fact. It's not, it's not, it's not, that, I, it's not that I don't want to, it's that sometimes the Yitzhahara overcomes me. And so because of that, because of that, often I'm unable to learn Torah because I'm just consumed by my desires and passions. So Russia Omrim Lo, Mipnei Maloa Saktiva Torah. So the Russia comes after 120. We say, Russia, why did you not make Torah study a set priority in your life? So the Russia will say, what do you want from me? You made me very handsome. Right? Or you made me with a ridiculous Yitzhahara. Which I will say again, Baruch Hu gives me my Yitzhahara. Baruch Hu, you gave me this incredible Yitzhahara. And the truth is, I couldn't fight it. I could not fight it. So my life became all about the pursuit of my Yitzhahara. And therefore, I did not have room for Torah. So I say, listen to this. Omrim lo, klum no hayisem Yosef. Tell me, did you have a greater Yitzhahara than Yosef HaTzadik? Both say, listen to this story of Yosef. Omra lo wa Yosef HaTzadik. Every single day, the wife of Potiphar tried to seduce Yosef with words. The clothing she wore in the morning, she would change her clothing into beautiful clothing multiple times a day to catch his attention. So the clothing she wore in the morning, she didn't wear in the evening. The clothing she wore in the evening, she didn't wear in the morning. She said to him, She said to him, Listen to me. Now listen to me for what? For, 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 for adultery. Sleep with me. He said to her, Love. He said, I can't. I can't. She said, if you don't listen to me, and if you don't sleep with me, if, if you don't give in to your desires, I'll have you incarcerated. I'll put you in jail. This is incredible. 
Hashem Mati Rasurim. Yosef says to Eishas Potiphar, you can put me in jail. Kodesh Baruch Hu is the one who frees the incarcerated. Harini Kofefas Komasecha. So she said, I will take you down from your position. Whereas right now you have an exalted position. Literally, also means, I will bend your stature. Right? I will take away your standing. Hashem Zokev Kifufim. Yosef says back to her, it's okay. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes the bent straight. I'll blind you. Yosef says, don't worry. Hashem Pokeach Ivrim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives sight to the blind. So I'll say, so she realizes she can't threaten him. She can't threaten him. Nasna lo elef kikare kesef. So if she can't threaten him, maybe she could bribe him. And she said to him, I'll make you incredibly wealthy. I'll make you incredibly wealthy. So I'll say, so again, I, I, just, I just want to point out to show you, like, what's happening over here. Just so you understand, Yosef HaTzadik, Yosef HaTzadik is all alone in this world. So I'll say, there's so much unfolding over here. First of all, I'll say, just don't answer this question. But, but imagine being in this situation. Imagine being in this situation. If we're honest with ourselves, who could possibly pass this Nisayon? Who? I, I could not pass this Nisayon. Every single day, every single day, a beautiful woman is enticing you. You're a young man. You're single. You have no family. We'll say, remember again, Yosef is alone in Mitzrayim. For Yosef, being with Asia's Potiphar doesn't just represent satisfying a physical desire. It's entry into a whole new world. Right? This woman could make him... And remember, Egypt already was a very immoral society. So I'm not even sure that what Yosef would have done with Asia's Potiphar, I, I'm sure they could have explained it away. Or if not, he could have continued on an illicit affair with her for however long, taking the benefits of say. So for him, it represented a satisfaction of desire, a connection for a young man who's all alone, fame, wealth. Fame and wealth. And by the way, if he doesn't give in to her, if he doesn't give in to her, she has the absolute power to what? To ruin him. Osai, who could stand up to such an Isaiah like that? I couldn't stand up to such an Isaiah like that. You're tzaddikim, maybe many of you could. I don't think any normal person could stand up to an Isayon like that each and every day, multiple times that she's harassing him each and every day, multiple times. And what happens? So he didn't listen to her to sleep next to her. Leo's ima. So ultimately, he did not want it. So again, she, she petitions him, she asks him, she'd be with him, and he won't listen. He would not listen to her. Because we'll say, why? Yosef understood. This is incredible, we'll say. Yosef understood that if he slept with her in this world, he would be with her in the world to come. So we'll say, Yosef understood that at the end of the day, Whatever he would do in this world would determine his character and fundamental nature, not only in this world, but ultimately again in the world to come as well. So this is the Rasha. So a person comes out after 120, I would have loved to have learned your Torah, but what can I do? I'm such a Baal Taiva. I'm such a Baal Taiva. And I will say, I just want to point something out. Lest you think, lest you think, by the way, just, just to illustrate this, Lest you think that Yosef was sent by Malach. I will say, you know, that the Gemara says that Yosef, according to one opinion, was ready to sin with Aisha's Potiphar. He was ready to sin with her. He had finally given in. And the Gemara says, Ra'ad diyukno, Ra'ad diyukno, He saw the image of his father. And the Gemara says, what did he do? Na'at 
he literally put his put his put his nails into the ground, and the Gemara says he experienced a seminal emission. He wanted so badly to sin with Eshes Potiphar that his body reacted out of desire, and the Gemara says as a result of that, Yosef was also supposed to father twelve shvatim. But he lost that tzuchos. Shabbos said there was collateral damage. Unless you think that Yosef, you see, sometimes you hear these stories like, ah, oh, that's Yosef. That's Yosef. He wasn't a guy. He wasn't a guy. He was Yosef. You're right. He wasn't a guy. But he was a man. But he was a man with all the same desires, with all the same wants. And Abel said, even more, even more, because he was alone, because he was isolated, because he had nothing. And Abel said, you know, it's so overwhelming that sometimes you see regular people. Do great things. And the chizik it has to give us. Because we all struggle with things. We all struggle with things. Not with, maybe, maybe not with Aisha's Potiphar. Hopefully no one's in this situation. But, 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 but Lamaisa, well, today at least, yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, you, you could file a claim. And I'll say, but, but, but again, but, but, but Lamaisa, but Lamaisa we, we encounter struggles with the Yitzhahara all of the time. And we lose. We lose a lot of times. We lose, we lose a lot of the battles. But Lamaisa, sometimes we think we're powerless. And the Russia comes before HaKadosh Baruch after 120. Sheyibon Shalom, what did you want from me? You gave me Yitzhahara. It was too strong. I couldn't overcome it. And who comes walking over? Who comes walking over? Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef says, again, not in a condemnation. You're right, it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to combat the Yitzhahara. It's really hard to go to war against your inner desires. It's really hard to stand up for the right thing. But let me say, we each have the koach to do it. So look how the Gemara ends. Nimsa, Hila mechai v'saniyim. Hila mechai v'saniyim. Rabbi Lozer ben Charsu mechai v'sashirim. Yosef mechai v'sarashon. Therefore, Rabbi Lozer, it turns out that after 120, Rabbi Lozer, this Gemara is a little bit deflating because I think many of us, we have a whole excuse packet a whole excuse packet prepared for after 120. In fact, we actually, some of us actually have like a PowerPoint. Ribbon Shalom, I'm so happy you asked this question. Let me refer you to Exhibit 3. All right, so here, I want to point out, so I'll say, you can have whatever excuses you want. If you were too poor, Hillel blows that out of the water. If I was too rich, Rabbi Lozim takes the wind out of those sails. And if I was too much of a Baal Taiva, too much of a Yitzhahara, Yosef comes along and says, sorry, there's no excuse. And I will say, this Gemara should give us chizuk because it's time to throw out the excuses it's time to throw out all, we, we all have so many incredible excuses. And I want to point out, some excuses are actually legitimate excuses. Sometimes they're actually legitimate. But Lama said, just because they're legitimate, doesn't mean they're going to work in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu after 120. Something could be correct, but it doesn't mean it's right. Something could be legitimate, it doesn't mean it holds water. So I will say, Hillel, Rabbi Lezeb ben Yosef teach us, we have a variety of excuses for why we underperform and why we don't become the people we're capable of becoming. But after 120, when I stand before Hillel, when I stand before Rabbi ben when I stand before Yosef, all of those excuses evaporate. Let's not wait for that moment. Let's take the chizik now, stop making excuses, dispense with all of the explanations, and start becoming the people we are truly capable of becoming. We'll pick up with the Mishnah Mirat Hashem tomorrow. No, was, was, was this not a riveting, overwhelming, cathartic, transformative death? That's, no, that's, it speaks for its own.